Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Friday, December the 22nd, 2023. It is currently 10.50 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And it is time for, well, a segment we call Theology Central Goes to the Movies. Okay, well, we, we've never we've never had this segment. We've never... We've never done this. So Theology Central goes to the movies. Well, I, I just I just watched a movie. I just watched a movie. It was a Netflix movie. And well, I there there was it's one of those things when I watch movies, I'm always I I get so caught up in the philosophical concepts and the message, and I get so caught up in that that sometimes I can be watching a movie and one line is said, one quote, one one little piece of dialogue. And I'm like, whoa, 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 pause, write that down. And then I'm like, I'm obsessed with it because I'm like, oh, that's the, that's the key to the whole movie. And then I try to explain it and everyone looks at me, but it was just me and my cat. So, so, so the cat did not care. The cat was like, I'm out of here. Just, I don't care. I don't care about philosophy. I don't care about the message of the movie. I just wanted to see birds. That's all my cat said. Okay. All right. My cat actually didn't say anything, but the cat did leave the room when I tried to explain the cat to the cat, the message of the movie. But you may disagree if it's the message of the movie. We can always have interpretations of it that. But whether it's the message of the movie or not the message of the movie, it gave me this idea about, well, your spiritual life and my spiritual life. And I don't know how these two concepts work together. One of them is clearly biblical. No question about it. It's in the Bible. No, the other one, there may be some pushback. They may go, well... I don't know if the Bible tells us that we have to do that or that we should, but I think the Bible, at least based on other things that it teaches, you would have to draw from it that we need to do this second thing as well. So we're going to talk about both of them. So let's do this. First, what movie did I watch? Well, the name of the movie is Rebel Moon. Rebel Moon Part 1 a Child of Fire, Rebel Moon, Part 1, A Child of Fire. It started, it, it was made available today on Netflix. It's already trending in the United States of America. Now, listen to me carefully. It is not a Christian movie. So I'm not sitting here talking about the morality of it, whether you should watch it, shouldn't watch it. I'm not here to get into that. I watched it, whether you agree or disagree. Okay, I watched it. And for me... There's this concept that's in it. But here's a little bit about it. Rebel Moon, part one, this part two comes out April 2024. So December 2023, part one was made available uh, today, December the 22nd on Netflix. Part two will be made available in April of 2024. I don't know if we have a specific date yet in April. So they're, they're, they're kind of somewhat close to to back to back. But here's a little bit about it. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Rebel Moon, also known as Rebel Moon Part One, A Child of Fire, is a 2023 American epic space opera film directed by Zack Snyder. All right. Zack Snyder. I'm not going to read to you the plot. I'm not going to read to you a synopsis. I'm not going to talk about characters. 
I'm not going to talk about anything. I don't want to spoil. If you want to watch it, great. Now, if you don't want to watch it, that's perfectly okay. That's perfectly. This is not so much about the movie. It's about a concept that I am drawing from the movie. So I don't, I'm not here to talk about the movie and use quotes from the movie or, 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 or use dialogue from the movie. I just want to use one, one segment, one quote, just basically one quote. So I am going to use a quote. But in other words, I'm not going to hear, play movie clips, the trailer. It's not all about the movie. It's about this idea, but I, I, I didn't want to just take the idea and then talk about it as if it was my idea because, well, that would not be very, that would not be a good thing, right? So I'm telling you exactly where it came from. But in the movie, there's this powerful scene, or at least it was powerful to me, where one of the characters is saying to something else, I'm not going to explain what he was talking to, but he says this, and I'm paraphrasing, the greatest Fear we face, the greatest fear that we face is the fear of ourselves. The greatest fear we face is the fear of ourselves. Now, we could look at this and pursue this from, say, a philosophical perspective. We could talk about what is what does it mean to fear ourselves and from a psychological perspective. We could, we could follow. But I, this is the Theology Central podcast. I'm looking at this from a theological perspective. So after that line was said in the movie, the greatest fear we face is the fear of ourselves. When I, when I started considering that, and I do believe this idea of people fearing themselves, I think it kind of shows up in the lives of most of the characters in the movie. I mean, I, I, we could, we'd have to go do a character study of every single person in the movie, but I think it, I think, I, I mean, to me, I think that's the line that really explains the movie. Uh, but you can draw your own conclusion when you watch it. But here's what I started thinking. Okay. I know the Bible talks about the fear of God, but I wonder how important is it that you and I, as a believer, that we face that fear and that we do possess a great level of fearing ourselves. We face it, we acknowledge that fear, and that we have that fear. It, that, that I think if, if, if fear of God is healthy, which the Bible definitely would say it is, there's great spiritual benefits that flow from the fear of God. What spiritual benefits would come into your life or to my life if we were to fear ourselves? We're right here, December the 22nd. Before you know it, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, December the 22nd, 2023. Before you know it, it's going to be January 2024. What if we start 2024 with this idea that what we desperately need in your Christian life and my Christian life is a proper fear of God and a proper fear of ourselves? Would you say that is, oh, that's important. I think that's good. Or, or would you say, ah, I'm not so sure. Well, let's just do a little exploring here, right? 
Let's talk about the concept of fearing God, because it appears in the Bible and carries, I think, several important principles. When we think of the fear of God, I think there's several important principles. Now, this is all very impromptu, so I, you may hear more about this being developed over the coming weeks and months, because I think this is a concept that I'm not going to let go. Sometimes that happens. I get this concept, like right now, fear of God, fear of self, fear of God, fear of self. How do these two work together? What is the benefits of them? I'm going to pursue this. Now, this may be one of those situations where I keep talking about it and everyone's else, everyone else is like, it's not that big a deal. It's not that interesting. Give it up and move on. Okay, maybe you will have to tell me that. But for right now, I feel like this is something that we may be talking about and may become a major theme, at least maybe January of 2024, or maybe at least a month. I don't know. But here we go. Are you ready? So let's look at some of the basic principles of fearing God. And I think the first ones we would know uh, fearing God, one of the first basic principle is one of reverence and awe. Reverence and awe. The fear of God involves a deep sense of reverence, awe, and respect for God's holiness, power, and authority. It recognizes that God is beyond our comprehension and deserves our ultimate respect and honor. If you really fear God, you have this deep sense of reverence, of awe, of respect for his holiness, for his power, for his authority. And listen, I know this, it's missing in my life, a true reverence and awe of God, of his, a true respect for his authority, for his power, for his holiness. That That is missing in my life. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, 2022, 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, 2016, 2015, 2014. I can look at my life and over and over and over and demonstrate that I, in many cases, clearly show that there is a lack of reverence and awe for God in my life. So we can see immediately that's a key principle in fearing God. And we immediately can see the benefits of it. If my life is filled with reverence and awe and respect for God's holiness, for his power, for his authority, that should begin to have a pretty powerful impact on my life. I live in West Texas. All right. One night. I went to the Abilene Philharmonic, the, the, Abilene, uh, uh, the Abilene classical music performance, right? The Philharmonic, the symphony orchestra, right? And I don't remember, I don't remember the pieces that were performed that evening, but it was, it was a great concert. It was awesome. Everything was wonderful. Get in my car. I drive home. I pull up in the driveway and I get, I get ready to get out of the car and, and to walk to the door. And all of a sudden I realized, whoa, 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 stop. Everyone stop, 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 stop. Get back. And I, I, make, I turned on the headlights and I realized there was a rattlesnake at my front door. Now, that's not too uncommon. It's, it's Abilene, Texas. It's West Texas, right? If you, if you go to the, if you ever fly into the Abilene airport, 
on the door at the Abilene airport, it tells you to beware of rattlesnakes. Literally on the door of the airport. It's not like, be careful of this. Be care-. No, it's like, watch out for rattlesnakes. It's I'll, I'll, I can take a picture of, of it. It's crazy. I think people fly in to Abilene, Texas. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> There's a warning about rattlesnakes on the door of the, of the Abilene airport? I'm not joking. It is, all right? And I've had plenty of uh, encounters with rattlesnakes. I worked... I uh, on Dias Air Force Base at the 7th Medical Group, the hospital there. And we found rattlesnakes on the first floor of the hospital and they, and, and, and there were baby rattlesnakes. And we could get, I could get a whole discussion about rattlesnakes. Okay. Or whatever. But everyone was, was going crazy, but there it was right there at the door. Now, let me tell you my reverence and my awe, (laughs) my respect for its, well, it's, it's striking, it's venom, everything about a rattlesnake. It caused me to say, whoa, back up. I'm not just going to walk in. And, 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 and not only that, because of my reverence and awe for it, I wasn't just going to walk around to the back door, go into the house and say, ah, it's just a rattlesnake at the front door. Just leave it alone. No, 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 no. I can't leave that in the yard. An animal could get bit. A child could get bit. It, it could do anything. It could get inside the house. So I had to take matters into my own hands, and sadly, I, 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 I hate killing animals, but I had no choice. Uh, I had to kill it, and it was, it was not a – and I had no easy way to kill it. I didn't have – no, it was horrible. It's horrible. But that reverence and awe immediately had a profound impact on me at that moment. So if we fear God, that's reverence and awe for God's holiness. That's respect for his holiness for his power, and for his authority. If you truly have reverence and awe for God's authority, then you don't go, hey, God, I'm going to do what I want. No, because you're showing reverence and respect to his authority. You'll, you'll back off, just like I backed off from that rattlesnake. Second, fear of God is a, the principle of submission and obedience. The fear of God entails acknowledging God's sovereignty and submitting to his will. It involves obeying his commandments and living in accordance with his principles. Now, of course, we never do that. I mean, obviously, we're always in sin. Now, let's just get that out of the way, right? But it means externally, I'm doing, and of course, I'm, tr- I'm struggling with the internal part, but that I'm submitting and obeying God. I'm saying, okay, God, it's your law, your rules, your your in the authority, and I'm going to submit to that sovereignty, and I'm going to try to submit to your will, and I'm going to pursue obedience. Instead of pursuing disobedience, instead of pursuing rebellion, I'm going to pursue obedience. Now, again, I can show you the lack of fear of God in my life because sometimes I do not have the reverence and respect, and I don't have the submission and the obedience because we have a sinful nature that says, hey, 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 don't obey, don't obey. We have, a, we have a sinful nature that says, have reverence for yourself, have respect for yourself. Right? But those are two principles. Are, are, those are some concepts from fear of God. There's, there's more, all right? So there's reverence and awe, there's submission and obedience. Here's the third one, wisdom and discernment. The fear of God is directly connected to wisdom and discernment. The fear of God is connected to wisdom and understanding. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Borrowing from a different translation. 
It recognizes that true wisdom comes from aligning our lives with God's truth and seeking his guidance. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, when we are facing a difficulty, when we're facing a situation, we're like, I just don't know. I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, if we fear God, we look to what God would tell us to do. If you want true wisdom, if you want true insight, if you want true knowledge, then it has to be based off the fear of the Lord. If you do not have the fear of the Lord, when you begin to come up with your ideas and your decisions and your your great plan and strategy, well, it's going to be devoid of godly wisdom. It may be filled with human wisdom. It may be filled with human ingenuity, but it will be missing divine insight. So to fear God brings about reverence and awe. It brings about submission and obedience, and it brings about wisdom and discernment. And number four, it brings about accountability and judgment. The fear of God acknowledges that we are accountable to him for our actions. It recognizes that God is the ultimate judge who sees all things that will hold us accountable for our deeds. If we fear God, we understand we are accountable to him. He is the judge. He he makes the decision of wrong and right, not me. And the last one may seem somewhat contrary to those other four. I think the fear of God also brings about some love and trust. The fear of God is not solely about being afraid of punishment. It also includes a deep love for God and a desire to please him. It involves trusting in his goodness, faithfulness, and love, even in the face of difficult circumstances. So fear of God has immediate, profound, spiritual impact on your life and my life. Now, look, I know all of that. I know all of that theologically. Right? I've studied the fear of God so many different ways. So I know all of this stuff, right? I can, I can preach it in my sleep, but man, getting the fear of God truly in my life. Mm-mm-mm. But I think that's because there's a problem. It's a sinful nature. And the sinful nature does not fear God, does not respect God, has no reverence for God. The sinful nature is not even in awe of God. If we are honest, the sinful nature hates God. And this directly transitions into the second fear that I thought the Netflix movie at least addressed, Rebel Moon, and the the quote from the movie, the greatest fear we face is the fear of ourselves. Now, they're talking of fear in a negative way. Now, we're talking the fear of God in a positive way. We need to fear God. They're talking about the, of all the things that we could fear, all the things that we could be afraid of, a negative kind of fear. The greatest fear that we face is the fear of ourselves, that we are afraid of ourselves. We are afraid to see ourselves for who we are. We are afraid to really come face to face with ourselves. We don't even like silence because we hear from ourselves. We like to stay busy. We like noise. We, because if we are left alone and silence and uh, and isolation, then we're left with ourselves and we don't like that. But I think there's a positive thing that can come from fearing ourselves and acknowledging that fear. So I started thinking about this. Now, I know the Bible does not address the concept of fearing ourselves in, that ter- in those terms, like fear yourself. It doesn't do that. But I think the concept is there. And, and here's where I would start. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. Now, I know the, uh, 
that's it's translated different in different texts. The Septuagint is translated completely different. Okay, but we could get into all of that. All right, but here we go. The heart is deceitfully is the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. If you and I believe that because of human depravity, our heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things, then I do not know how we don't fear ourselves. And for some weird reason, I think the sinful nature does a great job telling you, no, 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 no. Don't fear you. Fear that group. Fear that philosophy. Fear that. And all of our fears, we tend to focus on these fears external. And we are afraid of these other things. And we try to protect ourselves from the other things. And while we're running around fearful of all these things, in a sense, trying to build a wall to keep them all out, we're fearful of Target. We're fearful of Hollywood. We're fearful of music. We're fearful of video games. Whatever we're fearful of at any given time, the boogeyman that's out there, that's out to devour all of us as Christians, the real thing that we should be fearing is inside of you. So I think Proverbs 17, 9, or Proverbs, uh, Jeremiah 17, 9, there's a verse in Proverbs we're going to look at, but Jeremiah 17, 9, I think right there, you have to fear yourself. You have to fear yourself. You've got to fear it. You've got to understand it. You've got to acknowledge it. And if you fear God, there's all those spiritual benefits, but what happens when you fear yourself? Then you, look, if you truly fear yourself, then you're, you're being willing to be honest with what's really there. Your, your focus is on the real danger. I think, I think there's benefits that should flow from it. Here's some thing, like, consider this. Proverbs 16.32. I'm not saying that this is, po- uh, is perfect. Some of these concepts, I'm just, I'm, I'm still haven't thought these through. Proverbs 16.32. Proverbs 16.32, we read this, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. And you say, well, it doesn't talk about fearing yourself. Yes, but guess what it does? The verse is emphasizing... The verse is emphasizing... Sorry, I had to cough there. The importance of self-control and managing our own emotion and impulses. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. This talks about we've got to we've got to take that self-control. We've got to we've got to we've got to manage our own emotions. If we if we see ourselves, look, if you're not going to even have a chance of doing that unless you fear yourself and realize, man, I got a problem here. I got a problem here. I got a problem here. It's the James concept, right? It's the James concept of, of anyone who can t- control his tongue. Can you control your mouth? Can you control what you say? If you can control your tongue, in a sense, you control all of yourself. There's so many of these ideas where, where the Bible talks about self-control. And, 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 and that just, I think to me, it starts with fearing yourself. There's no way of controlling it until you fear it, until you acknowledge it, until you recognize it. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Psalm 139, 23 through 24. Psalm 139, 23 through uh, 24. 
Psalm 139, 23-24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see uh, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me into the way everlasting. This is the idea that I so fear that there could be something inside of me that I'm asking God to search it and show me. Well, when we ask God to search me and show me, well, I just read my Bible and he shows me. He shows me that you have a depraved nature and I have a depraved nature. The, the Psalm 139 reflects basically a desire for self-reflection and asking God to reveal any areas of our lives that need correction or improvement. And why do we ask that? Because we know there's something inside of us. We know the monster lives inside. Well, we can build all the walls to keep everything out. And then you're going to be like, whoo, man, that's it. I protected myself. I got filters on my internet. I've done this. I've done this. I've done this. I've done that. And then you go, all right, good. I'm going to turn off the light and all of a sudden it, it grabs you because it's you. You're the problem. Proverbs 3, 7. Proverbs 3, 7. Proverbs 3, 7 says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Hey, don't be wise in your own eyes. Don't be wise in your own conceit. Be willing to acknowledge and fear of yourself is coming face to face with yourself. And I think Christianity spends so much time putting fig leaves on so that we hide ourselves, not only from everyone else, we we hide ourselves from ourselves. We don't want to see the monster in the basement. Proverbs 3.7 reminds us not to become overly confident in our own understanding and abilities. We have to have reverential fear for the Lord and seek his guidance. Now, the Bible may not directly address the idea of fearing ourselves, but it encourages introspection, self-control, humility, and seeking God's guidance and understanding our very own nature. And the Bible tells us we have a depraved nature, a wicked heart. We are sinners. And if we understand that, then we should fear ourselves. You can imagine now if your life is filled with a reverential, correct fear of God and a very real, real fear of yourself. I think only spiritual benefit can derive from if you fear yourself, you're going to be you're going to be broken. You're going to be humbled. Your your robe of self-righteousness is going to, dis, to disappear in front of your very own eyes. You're going to be humbled. You're going to, you're going to know you need God's mercy. You're going to know you need an imputed righteousness. And you're not, you're not going to be running around bragging about your own righteousness. You're going to be humble. It's going to destroy pride. It's going to give you the ability to see what's really there. And by seeing what's really there, you have the ability to then fight and struggle with it. You can't fight that which you do not perceive. You cannot fight an enemy which you will not even acknowledge exists. And the enemy that we're always trying to fight all of these other enemies. And here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think sometimes when we're the loudest against a certain sin and we're screaming against a certain sin and we're railing against a certain sin and we're condemning it and we get so angry about it. We always like to perceive that it's, 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 you know, righteous indignation. I think what it is, it's fear of ourself. And we, and sometimes the thing we're yelling the most about is what we struggle the most with. It's something inside of us.
I think many pastors who, who, who rail against a certain sin are ta- typically found guilty of said sin. Why? Because, well, we have a sinful nature. And so that sinful nature will, will get you to yell and scream about it because you, if you're yelling and screaming about it in everyone else, you're not yelling and screaming about it about yourself. And that's, that's, that's the defense mechanism of the sinful nature. Hey, project. Don't look inside. And sometimes you have to go, why does that sin bother me so much? Yeah, there may be a reason why. There may, because you know that, you, again, I've told the story a million times. I know it's a, but sometimes you can, you only go back to the illustrations you know. Again, I, I'll, because it, this is one of those stories that impacted me so much. There was a story about a man who, who every day on his commute would stop at this convenience store slash gas station. He'd go in, get like a paper, coffee, whatever the case may be. All right. Obviously, back before, you know, Everything was digital, all right? So, you know, an actual physical newspaper. And he walked in one day and he saw that now there was a magazine rack or like a like a magazine place and it had pornography. And he looked at the manager and was like, man, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be able to come back. I was like, oh, you're offended by the pornography? And he's like, no, that's the problem. I'm not offended by it. I want to purchase it and I probably will purchase it. I probably will buy it. So I can't be here because I can't do See, instead of coming across like, I'm righteously, you know, indignant. I am so, I'm appalled. It may be sometimes, maybe you're being so indignant is because you know how much you desire it. But if we fear ourselves, we would know immediately. <laughs> no pretending. I want that. I desire that. I need that. I crave that. I long for that. It's better to just acknowledge it and admit it instead of pretending like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm the godly one. Watch me robe myself in self-righteousness and I will speak great of the horrible sins of others. If we fear God, that should lead to biblical wisdom. And biblical wisdom So think about this, fearing God, reverence and respect for God, all of those things. But one of those things is it opens your eyes to biblical wisdom and insight. So fear God leads to biblical wisdom and insight. Biblical wisdom and insight then allows you to see yourself. And once you see yourself, you should then fear yourself, which then leads to humility, not self-righteousness, but clinging to an, an imputed righteousness. It will lead to humility and mercy to those who fall. Instead of being the one who runs to condemn, you'll be there running to grab a, a, a spiritual you know, medical kit and saying, here I am to patch you up and to help you because only by God's grace, I would be right where you are. In fact, I'm right where you are internally. Just no one sees my sin where you got caught doing it externally. I've already done it internally 75,000 times. We need a healthy, healthy dose of fearing God and fearing ourselves. I really, I really do think that. 
how those two work together. I tried to just kind of give you a formula. Fearing God leads to biblical wisdom and insight. Wisdom and ins- biblical wisdom and insight allows you to see your, your true nature. Once you see your true nature, then you begin to fear yourself. Fearing yourself destroys pride, humility, and leads to you not looking to self-righteousness, but to an imputed righteousness. And it gives you mercy, compassion, and empathy for others. That's all impromptu. I, I, I literally just finished the movie, like, you know, I don't know, 30 minutes ago, maybe 40 minutes ago. And I had, I had to make my way up here. I had to make my way up here to tell you about it. It's called Rebel Moon, part one. It's on Netflix. I'm not telling you to watch the movie because, it, because it's not really about the movie, but it's about that, that, that line in the movie, okay? And that line is, the greatest fear we have to face is the fear of ourselves. We need a right fear of ourselves. And if we truly believed, I'm, I'm sometimes baffled because I think Christians believe the heart is deceitful. The heart is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. We say that, but then we don't act like we really believe it. And I think that there's a, a, a major problem in the minds of many Christians because many Christians believe once you become a Christian, that deceitful, depraved heart goes bye-bye. And now you have a new one. But I think the new heart promised in Ezekiel and Jeremiah is for Israel when God fulfills the covenant to Israel. And that speaks of some other time. And I believe that we are not truly made a new creature uh, practically until glorification. We are made a new creature positionally. Therefore, we still have the same depraved nature and the same depraved heart. But We've talked about that millions of times. And if I truly believe that, I should be scared to death. Not on what's on the other side of the wall, but what I'm locked in here with, which is me. Email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. The greatest fear we face is the fear of ourselves. How do you think that plays out biblically and theologically? Love for you to add to this and share. Thanks for listening. God bless.